The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is a Wednesday upon us and Arlen Suderman joins us from FC Stone. And as we look at the markets, Arlen, you and I kind of talked about this back at the beginning of April, that May 1 was a very pivotal, important date. And I've had many other commodity folks mention the same thing. If we get to May 1, maybe now the markets will really start to notice where we are in regards to planting delays. Yeah, because the farmers have done such a fantastic job in the past of getting the crop planted in a very short period of time. Um, in order to optimize yields, we like to see the crop planted in by the first half of May. Uh, by the middle of May, be at least 60% planted nationally. That's always been kind of the benchmark. Um, but somewhere around that, and of course, it depends on how the rest of the season plays out. But to really help your odds, of, well, that's what we'd like to see. And we've had many years when it was cool and wet in April, and many years when it was cool and wet in early May. Um, but by the time you get to the 1st of May, then the forecast starts looking into the back half of May. And if that is a problem, then it starts to become a concern. Now, how much of a concern depends on how much margin for error do surplus stocks give. If you've got a big supply of surplus corn, it doesn't mean there is much. If stocks are very tight, it means a great deal more. So very interesting dynamic setting up. We think ending stocks this year are going to be just under 2 billion bushels. I think that's a lot of corn. Well, really it's not. When you look at stocks as a percent of use, which is what you have to look at as far as keeping the supply pipeline flowing uh, with the type, with the scope of demand that we have these days, somewhere around 1.5 billion bushels is considered to be fairly tight. So that's not that much margin going into the new year. We're not going to run out ahead of this year's harvest, but if you start to threaten the size of the 2019 crop, that's not much margin. So we come in. 15% planted as of Sunday, according to USDA. Uh, matching last year, last year we ended up with a decent crop. But as we look now at the forecast going forward, this is still, I think, like the sixth or seventh slowest year of planting uh, of going back to the mid-1980s. So it's a fairly significant slow planting year, even though it matches last year. If you look at the next two weeks, they look pretty wet. Maybe some openings as we get into later next week. But the problem is, is twofold. The 16 to 30 day outlook still has quite a bit of moisture in it. Although in a normal year, it wouldn't be considered too bad. But as saturated as our soils are in many places, that's significant, the rain that there is in that 16 to 30 day outlook. But more significantly to me, the below to much below normal temperatures that are forecast over the next two weeks over much of the Midwest and in the 16 to 30 day period as well. So basically forecasters are now looking at the whole month of May. If, you know, they tr forecasters struggle sometimes with the five days out forecast. So take that for what you will going out 30 days. But right now the outlook says below to much below normal temperatures for much of the Midwest, especially the western two-thirds of the Midwest, with above normal precipitation in some areas, 
uh, and I think maybe the eastern Midwest would be the wettest, but then you're cold in the west where it's struggle to warm up the soils and dry them out. All of a sudden, the trade's starting to get concerned, particularly with the hedge funds coming into this week with record large short or sold positions. So it's starting to matter a little bit more now that we're in the month of May. You you look at how fast we can get things planted. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, that weather forecast for the next two weeks is very wet. Are you folks looking at that, at the, the quickness that we can get this crop in the ground, or does it get to be the concern that we're going to continue to push, not get it done, and we could see the corn to bean acres rotation change? Well, a, a corn to bean rotation change, or in some areas, particularly northern areas, maybe just to prevent it planting. Um, and uh, take the insurance money on it. So that's a possibility as well. We were very low on prevent plant last year, um, below average, and we will certainly expect this year we may get closer up to average. Uh, so we look for the, uh, the corn acres to come in smaller than what USDA predicted back on March 29th. The question is how much smaller at this point? And I think that'll start playing out for us over the next couple of weeks and seeing what we do. The, the most advanced planting states are Iowa and Nebraska, according to uh, Monday's USDA Crop Progress Report. But beyond that, most other states were in the low single digits on progress. Just very little of anything happening over the last week, and very little is going to happen this week. And many of those areas, very little is going to happen next week as well. So what we were saying last week is give us two weeks in those planting delays will look much more significant to the market. I think that's starting to play out and we're starting to look at those extended forecasts now and, and seeing some of the risk that this market is facing. And then if you add in the fact that it looks like we're close to a trade agreement with China and much of the talk has been corn, ethanol, and DDGs in that trade agreement. We don't know the details, but there's been a lot of talk about that coming from both sides. If that's the case, suddenly those planning delays mean even more. So there again lies the reason why we saw some short covering today. Are we seeing, and you kind of touched on this before we started the final bell, corn divorcing itself from the soybeans a bit? And that's what needed to happen. As I said, we don't have a lot of margin for error in the corn balance sheet. We have a lot of margin for error for soybeans. We could lose 10 million acres of soybeans and still not be concerned with these fundamentals. So soybean, the soybean corn price ratio needed to go down and we're finally seeing that happen now. And, uh, and that'll be good for the corn market and good for the wheat market. Well, stick around. We're going to talk wheat. And then, of course, we're going to check out the latest happenings when it comes to African swine fever. You are listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman is joining us from FC Stone. So much to talk about on the grain side of it. You and I were just talking about snowpack. We're not seeing a lot of, of melt coming yet that way. So we know that's looming in the markets. But a sure sign of spring is when Kansas does their wheat quality tour. <laughs> it really does. And, and normally much of the crop is headed by now. So uh, industry participants on the tour can can count the heads and, and per square foot, and they can uh, look at the size of the heads, and they can do a good job estimating yield. And uh, they've been going for two days now, and they're just finally starting to see some uh, 
some wheat in the boot. Uh, so the wheat is well behind normal. Going into this, when you look at tiller counts and the overall health of the crop, you got to say the yield potential is high. Um, but our highest producing wheat crops come from years when we head early and then have a late onset of summer heat so you have a long grain fill period because heat is the biggest robber of yield in wheat not disease or insects it is heat and so we want to have a long grain fill it requires early heading so we can't say late heading definitely gives us a low yield at all because maybe the heat will be late to arrive certainly may is looking cool and that gets it off to a good start as it starts to head um, but I don't think we can just assume it's going to be a big crop. The other thing that came out of the wheat tour uh, this week so far is uh, tour participants were really surprised at how dry the fields are in western Kansas. And I'd, I'd say the western plains, they got into southern Nebraska, so the southern tier counties in Nebraska and the eastern Colorado uh, in northern tier counties of Oklahoma today. But uh, in the western half, that belt to where they're traveling, just how dry some of the soils are and in need of rainfall. And that's really hard to comprehend as, as wet as some of the rest of us have been. But uh, the wheat's really not showing the stress yet, but they're saying um, it is starting to affect the developing head more than what is visible and, and it needs to see some rain soon. Jump over to the livestock side. We know that there is a, a two-day forum that's taking place in Canada right now with a lot of U.S. folks, including Undersecretary Iba, where they are talking about African swine fever and learning from what's been happening in China and Europe continues to be a very hot topic for you guys as you have boots on the ground within China. It really is, and I think it's going to be a hot topic for quite some time. In fact, as I said last fall, I think it'll be the topic in agriculture for uh, 2019. And I know that uh, the uh, China trade talks had been the, the primary topic of conversation at this point, um, but we expected that to eventually move off the table and African swine fever to be the story. And we still are expecting that. We're seeing that transition happen. And I know for us and our company, with our boots on the ground and China information we have, uh, is just different than what anybody else out there is reporting. And uh, we're seeing a lot of focus on that now, a lot of attention to just how bad it is. Hog feeding down 40% in China. Not any real shortages of pork yet at the consumer level because of the reserve supplies that they have and because of their initially was an onslaught of slaughter as a lot of big farmers hauled their hauled their hogs to to the slaughterhouse early to get some value out of the hogs before uh, the disease could hit them. So they had that initial big surge in supply plus the reserve supplies, and, and we think that'll carry them into the third quarter and possibly into early in the fourth quarter. Uh, at that point, we think they might start seeing some shortages. But China already started to buy ahead, and we've seen some big pork sales. And the market has certainly responded as well. At what point, I know that you had talked um, back in January and February, the need really to get this under control was a talk that we would have to see complete eradication across China. What are the numbers that are left? Are we hearing any updated information as to more hogs maybe being disposed of for fear of African swine fever? Well, I think the initial fear slaughter has happened. So that's why we're holding at basically 40% reduction in slaughter this month. Um, and that's where we moved really in late 
March. I talk to our team each week and ask them if there are any adjustments. I anticipate that we'll see some more reduction in feeding as we go into May and June. Um, but that's a little bit of, of a guesstimate right now. I'm going to take my information for what the, our people on the ground say. Uh, I asked them again this week when I talked to them, do you see any evidence that uh, government's efforts to try to slow the spread of the disease are working and, and got an emphatic no, that it's continuing to spread just as it was before. That's why I'm anticipating we're going to see that 40% number rise. And uh, we're anticipating more hogs pork sales to, to China as well as poultry and beef once we get a trade agreement that removes some of the restrictions. Lots of information, and we'll continue to watch it, and you'll keep us updated as well. What's the best way, Arlen, for folks to get a hold of you? INTLFCStone.com or over at Twitter. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N. F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. And that is a look at the Fontenelle final bell. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.